a decade of destruction. I am like, I am like weird uh, Butch Undertaker with the short hair in 2002, standing on the apron after beating Ric Flair with my hands extended and my ten fingers in the air, celebrating ten years of the Chair Shot Podcast. Folks, we did it. We weren't here every week. The show has been largely bad. We did not have functional microphones or internet or devices. We've moved houses and apartments and we've begun and ended odysseys. We've changed formats. We've gained listeners. We've lost listeners. People stopped emailing 10 years ago. But we've made it to chair shot a mania ten and i'm actually doing the ty dillinger 10 motion now at my laptop as we as we celebrate 10 whole years i am just one of the cogs in this machine that got us to 10 barry murphy joined as always by my ever dependable co-cogs first of all mr joe towder good evening barry congratulations Congratulations to you, sir. We made it. And of course, another great big giant cog, <laughs> a big greasy oily cog who makes everything go with his producing. It's Mr. Paul Griffin. They said we wouldn't last two weeks. We probably shouldn't have, to be honest. Two weeks was too many. And yet here we are. Yeah, well, we, we persevered. I mean, we, got, we, we got rid of the dead rate fairly quick, you know, um, um, which, which, which did. Which did help lighten the load. Remember, uh, Chris? Uh, I don't even speak to the chap anymore. I don't <laughs> even know quite literally if he is alive or dead anymore. Very much but... the uh, Mark Jindrak to our evolution. <laughs> <laughs> in that, in that photo. Oh, Chris. Oh, oh dearie me. Very good. Um, yes, we I would are... have loved to have got Chris on for the... Te- no, wait, I wouldn't. Never mind. <laughs> you messy bitch. <laughs> Oh, dear me. Anyway, it's been 10 years, lads. I, I wouldn't have had 10 years with anyone else. Uh, uh, congratulations. Uh, take a deep breath, you know, soak it all in as we uh, uh, as we celebrate and, and remember. But not really, because we've got so much. We've got so much stuff to talk about this week. Right, that like we haven't e- haven't even got time to soak it in. Let's forget all of that. Time to get cracking on life and looking forward and all that. And uh, I'll start things off right away. But uh, I'm sure you enjoyed my email there the other week. I I've been doing loads of shits uh, since I <laughs> since I was last on the show, lads. Let me tell you, um, uh, I had I had quite the situation um, uh, at work a few weeks ago. Uh, where towards the end of the work day, I felt the need to very aggressively shit, and uh, I went and did that, and then it started to come up the other side, and so I had the old conundrum of uh, which orifice do I point towards the toilets? You were shitting expo- out your cock. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and I was like, right, which one of these bibbes do I point in the shitter? Uh, and potentially risk the other one spewing all over the floor. Uh, all the while hoping no one would come in and try and conversate with me while I'm tr- while I'm struggling to control my various sphincters. Um, 
but yes, so that was deeply unpleasant. I I had a one-two combination of not feeling very well to begin with. I had a a couple of years ago, I had a stomach inflammation that was very mild, but it made me feel quite unwell. I think that flared back up a few weeks ago, and then I think I also got food poisoning on top of it. Um, uh, because the night before all this went down, I got some um, <laughs> chicken tenders Uber Eats to the uh, uh, apartment, right. and uh, that did not sit well. So that's that's what one. I you know I was I was I was traveling there another week, but uh, two weeks ago that's what I was doing. Um, not having a very good time. You know when you go so hard on the toilet that your ring is actually sore when you try and sit down. Yeah. Um, what a 10-year celebration this is, by the way, talking about my sore ring and how I was struggling to sit down after shitting myself um, uh, for literally for an hour at work that, that evening. But, um, but yes, so I'm back anyway. Uh, we're here for the for the ten year anniversary. I, I've I've enjoyed the shows, lads. You've done a you've done a good job. Um, I'm proud to hear about the clanging and banging. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know that's that's very good. Uh, has there been more of that going on this week? There has. Now, sorry about last week. By the way, last week I was just for whatever reason after a hard work week, just fucking exhausted. And, like, nothing bad particularly happened, but I just wasn't in the mood. I I had none to talk about, and I was just fucking wrecked. So, um, anyway, we're back now. So, uh, yeah, I was climbing the bang today, as a matter of fact, at the old gymnasium. Did some new exercises today. There's the one bit that you you only ever see in, like, The Rock's Instagram, (laughs) where, you know, where you have the, like, the heavy... Um, bar that the the big boy the big boys do weightlifting yeah. with. They put the they, they put oh, the, yeah. they put the comically big um, weights big on either side. Yeah. On end, yeah. So you get that, and it goes into a little holder in uh, at ground level, and you put weights on one end, and you go down on one knee, and you hold it over one of your shoulders, and up and down. Oh wow, a uh, big heavy one. Um, so yeah, I've been. Uh, on the old weight loss deal, when did I, I started seventh of January, so what is it, about a month and a half now. I've lost ten and a half pounds. <laughs> so pretty good. I uh, weighed in this morning at two hundred and one point two pounds. Oh, watch out, Mustafa Ali! This man's <laughs> coming for you, Jordan Devlin. Oh God! Yeah. Um. After I started at two hundred and twelve, so that uh, that two hundred uh, number is going to come up pretty quick. Um, my goal was anyway at the end of February to be under two hundred, so I look like I'm going to be doing that. So that's okay. Um. So anyway, let me. T- let, I don't quite understand how the body works, right? And let me explain why. So over the weekend, I lost a pound, right. um, meaning uh, this morning I weighed in exactly one pound less than I did on Saturday morning. Okay, right. Let me tell you what I did over the weekend. We can tick them off as we go, right? Uh, Burger King, in which I had two large fries, a double Whopper, a large Coke, and an ice cream. Um, so you're also uh, doing the Rock's uh, cheat meal um, uh, approach, which I which I respect, by the way. Uh, went on a tour to a chocolate factory and had chocolate there. Oh, okay. A literal, a literal chocolate factory. Yes. Um, and then on Sunday, I had a lovely roll with crisps in it. 
and that was real nice. There were only treats ahead over the weekend. So I was shocked then, after all that, that I, I had lost weight instead of, you know, reverted back to my um, pudding state. So I was very pleased about that. Uh, but yeah, we went to a ch- Butler's Chocolate Factory, which is the, the only uh, Butler's factory in the world, by the way, up uh, just north of Coolock in Dublin, Dublin's north side, Dublin 5, I think it is. And that was actually really great. I've I've never um, really understood how chocolate was made. I can't, you know, I kind of have an understanding, but I'm, to go to the factory and actually see it from like step one to you know step Z, uh, it was really cool. Um, we went in, and the first thing we did was we watched a little film about the history of chocolate. Now, the history of chocolate video. I don't know if you agree with me, um, sweetie. Uh, that's not you, Barry, by the way. I was talking to Nick. Oh, I was, I was, um, that's it. Go on, darling. Um, the voiceover was a little bit wanky, did you think? It, it was like, it was supposed to be informative, but it was all like, this luxurious treat and the, oh, it, the irresistible also, uh, chocolate. Oh, come on. The, I, I already like before, chocolate. You don't have to sell it to me, lad. I'm in it, the factory already. Was it performed by a little load of orange fellas? Yeah. <laughs> No, I did joke beforehand that um, I was going to be the first one up the like <laughs> chocolate pipe, falling into the chocolate river. Oh, I bet you would. <laughs> um, so I didn't have an Augustus Gloop moment. That was all right. Um, then we went out and we uh, we had a little tour of the factory. That was really cool. And then we um, went to this little workshop where they gave you what's called a hollow novelty. So if you know those like chocolate santa clauses they bring out every christmas the one that's like a hollow it's not quite an easter egg but it's the same idea yeah. right yeah. so we were given one each and it was um a little elephant and you got a little bowl of like melted white chocolate and a paintbrush and you're supposed to decorate the uh the elephant with the white chocolate so you know the way sometimes you get a one of those that has white chocolate on it right that's kind of the end goal so natty did hers like to a professional level. It looked like what you would get in the shop. So the little Do you have pictures of this? We do, we do. Um I will share the picture uh in a second, right? But um so she did hers professionally. I considered more the taste than the kind of aesthetic look of the elephant so i decided i say some bullshit there because his was so ugly that he's just like no (laughs) (laughs) owned i I decided the whole head was going to be covered in white chocolate um and then i stuck bits of chocolate on top of that on the head i'll see if i can find a picture now and i could have dunked in the bowl that's good i didn't even think about that but then holding it in my hand it was melting all over my hands so i couldn't really do that either um let me see if i can get a picture and maybe we can share it on the twitter account one second now i will share it first of all in our little uh skype conversation uh do i have a picture of it give me a second i must do can you send me a picture to my facebook of the do you have it okay i'm gonna get a picture now um but yeah that was real fun Really enjoyed the little chocolate factory tour. I'd say we were there for about an hour and a half. <laughs> oh my god. 
uh, the picture now here. It is horrendous. Um, but it's really good. I mean, if, if uh, it was very reasonably priced as well. I think for the two of us to go and do the whole tour and get a wee bit of chocolate as well was like 14 euro each. They're pretty good. Alright, there's the picture sent. Uh, if you guys want to have a look at it. Guess which one is mine. Oh, oh God. Oh, my Jesus. Oh, my God. Why? <laughs> ah! Oh, my God. Like, if I could just describe this to the listeners. I think, Paul, you were very... You were correct in saying that Natty's looks um, like something you'd buy in a shop, right? And yours looks a bit like Meltman from Kablam. <laughs> or like or like uh, something that uh, Kane would burn in a skit in 1998 Raw. God. The elephant's trunk does look a bit like a big old cock. Uh, <laughs> with two little white testicles on the side. <laughs> does. Oh, I should have just painted that white. That would have been funny. Yeah, yeah. But again, as I said, I, I was thinking more taste. And then I did try and paint, you know, the ears and that as normal. But the, what I didn't know is, you know, the consistency of white chocolate is that you're not, you don't paint it like you would paint with paint. You're supposed to do it very kind of drip by drip. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. I was just fucking painting the thing. And then it was dripping all over the place. But anyway, as I said, that was real fun. I had a, we had a really good time. And uh, I would highly recommend it to anyone in Dublin. As I said, it's cheap and it's fun. So there you go. I'll be honest, when I saw Chocolate Factory in the rundown, uh, I thought that referred to Barry's shitting problem. <laughs> I, only, I only realized when you started talking they what didn't um, oh, fun stuff how about you joe how's, how's um, life this week yeah not bad um weather's been depressingly shit which i hate because i like to you know, try and get out and about you know have a bit of fun um so it's been depressing but um, I don't normally talk about work on the podcast because obviously work is a bit boring. Usually mm. just, you know, sitting in office all day, yeah. flailing away at a keyboard. Mm. Um, but did have some excitement this week in that my company is doing a film with the old BBC uh, here in Blighty. Um, so they're doing a series of films for their website about uh, fintech, so f- financial technology. Uh, and my company is going to be in the film and they filmed some of our kind of customers as well um so i was kind of involved in in putting together the i guess like the creative kind of treatment for that and then got to spend two days out of the office at the filming which was nice even though basically involved standing around uh in a freezing cold industrial estate for six hours um still better than being in the office so yeah yeah i mean yeah yeah, it's very good. So, yeah, I might even get a little cameo in the uh, final film. Uh, we'll see. Um, yeah, anyway, that was that was a lot of fun and quite different from the, the usual stuff we got up to. So that was really good. Um, also, Saturday, went to a surprise birthday party, which I think might be the first time I've ever been to a surprise birthday party. I can't think of another one. Um, this one was in a pub, though, so... As the person approached the pub, obviously they could kind of see through the windows who was in there. So we all had to kind of crouch down 
um, as they came in, so they didn't spot us. I think they did anyway. But um, yeah, it was great. Great, and as they came in, we all had party boppers and went. So it was, uh, it was a lot of fun as well. Um, and anyone who follows me on Instagram will have seen that moment. Mm. Um, and also spotted the six foot eight um, transvestite woman um, who joined in the fray as well. Um, didn't didn't know that was, but she was well up for it. So everyone's welcome. Um, yeah, I'm sure there's been other stuff in the last two weeks, but you know what it's like. Unless I've got some kind of app where I can track what I get up to, I immediately forget it all. So, Isn't that the way? Yeah, yeah, good otherwise. Cool. Who's traveling soon, by the way? Uh, that's moi! I am traveling soon. Oh, my dear. Uh, I will... Um... Uh, I'll be here next week for the show. It might have to be a, a Monday show, but I'll be here. Week after that, though, I'm back to Deutschland. Uh, the oh, land of cho- Himmel. chocolate and sausages. Um, I will be... I don't know why I'm still persisting with this accent. <laughs> um, but uh, I will be going over to Germany again for the latest 16-carat weekend, which I'm looking forward to quite mm. a bit. Um, so I'm looking forward to that immensely. Um, uh, well, just really great list of talent on there. Leo Rush from the WWE will be there. Get to see him. Uh, that'll be nice. But yeah, so that's, that's upcoming. I don't really have a whole lot of other life going at the moment, minus the shitting. Um, I think we've covered that fairly comprehensively. Yeah, that's that's been covered fairly thoroughly. <laughs> just like the toilet. Um, yeah so yeah i'm really 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 looking forward to uh uh, to that trip um yeah especially because i am missing scrapper mania and it makes me want to (laughs) die um so i have to really enjoy this germany trip um so yeah but looking forward to it um yeah, that's my life golf really uh, for this week. Do we want to jump in to a bit of telly golf? I feel like a bit of telly golf this week to kick things yeah. off. Um, I'll go first. Um, I haven't watched that much telly in my absence, but I did start The Stranger on Netflix, which so far is a big old pile of shite. Um, it's sort of like, um, oh, how would you even describe it? It's like, it's like a really, it's like people with soap talent trying to make prestige TV. Um, (laughs) it's, it's a fairly shitty, uh, British kind of, uh, mystery crime thriller thing. Uh, basically, about it starts out about this kind of family that gets rocked by a uh, a secret being revealed by the titular stranger, and then uh, various other stories be- begin uh, cropping up and intersecting, and it all kind of centers around this stranger who seems to make a game or possibly some type of vigilantism by figuring out people's secrets and. And blackmailing them, or in some instances, doing the right thing and telling people that their partner is 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 misbehaving. It's 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 weird. I haven't gotten to the end of it yet. There's about ten revelations every episode, and none of them are especially uh, uh, um, uh, you know well well done or justified. Mm. 
but uh, it's kind of it's it's kind of watchable in a trashy way. It's it's not very taxing on the brain, but uh, yeah, certainly not high on the list of uh, must watch Netflix originals. I'll say that much. Wow, that's a shame. I was looking forward to checking that out. I think you might get something out of it. You know, I I I don't think it's like the worst show I've ever watched. It's just it's just kind of cheap shit. You know. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you might get something out of that. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Check that out. Yeah, sounds good. Um, well, Michelle and I finally finished um, my first ever run through of uh, Gilmore Girls. Oh yes, the um, classic early to mid two thousands um, comedy drama starring uh, mother and her daughter. Um, I have to say, having completed the show, um, I really liked it. I wasn't expecting to love it as much as I did going in. Um, but I probably got more invested in the show than anything since, like, The Sopranos. Wow. Um, which is quite a, quite wow. a big, quite a big, um, big claim. Um, I guess Game of Thrones is maybe up there, but given the ending to that, I didn't quite manage it. Um, yeah, it was great. We, we laughed, we cried, we shrieked. Um... The first, last couple of seasons were, did go off the boil pretty heavily, um, but it, it, the ending to the whole kind of series was was fine. Like it, it did enough. Um, they did, of course, come back about I think, three, four years ago with a Netflix um, kind of revival uh, called A Year in the Life, which was four feature length episodes. Um, that was. Um, somewhat good, somewhat bad. I would say it was, Michelle kind of pointed this out, it's when they take a kind of show that was very popular and they revive it and they just give the creator kind of free reign and unlimited budget to do whatever they want, Mm. inevitably it just ends up kind of bloated rubbish (laughs) because there's no one there saying, no, cut that, that's too long, don't do this, don't put in that storyline, don't overindulge and do this. So... Yeah, those were those were okay, but I think the actual ending of those um, wrapped things up a little bit better than the the show itself, which kind of ended quite abruptly. So I did enjoy those as well. But overall, I'd say great show, and I'm look look forward to doing a rewind and, and rewatching it all over again. Oh, yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask if you watched the uh, the the return stuff. Yeah, in your uh, your run through. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I wanted to kind of get those out of the way as well. Um, but they weren't, they weren't that bad. They weren't too as bad as I was expecting. Certainly not as yeah. bad as Arrested Development uh, Netflix version, which I never I st- I still have not got around to, nah. to watching that. I went I went to, literally just uh, late last year, I went to fire it up finally, and I was like, I'll just restart this series. I'll just go back to the beginning and watch the, the seasons I know yeah. are good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, great show. Um, of course, the sad thing is you, you watch that and everyone's aged 10 years <laughs> in the space of five minutes. Mm. Um, but it, it, it's great. And I'd recommend it, you know, to, to anyone out there, who especially if you like that kind of fast-paced, early 2000s dialogue where everyone's kind of witty and banter and all that sort of thing. Very good. So that's the telly. Uh, yeah, so that's it. No telly for you, Paul. No, I'm, I'm still watching like, you know, the Soup from 2008. Oh right, okay. That is oh, I love that show. It's so funny. Um, and RuPaul's Drag Race season 
Nine. Season 12 starts this uh, Saturday on Netflix, and I'm thoroughly looking forward to it. That's all. I haven't been watching anything else apart from that. That's kind of been like become a nightly ritual for us before we go to bed. We'll watch an episode of RuPaul and watch an episode of Soup. Then we go to sleep. That's great. Uh, what about if there's no more telly guff? What about music guff? Now I don't, I don't believe I don't recall you didn't you didn't review that album I recommended you in my absence. I forgot. I will do yeah. it though. Don't worry. But it's great. It's better. It's better if I'm here anyway, so we can have a little discussion. I'll do it for next week. But in the meanwhile, but what about your music guff this week though? Aha. Well, this week I took a step. Speaking of things that are old, by the way, Soup two thousand and eight. Uh, I was listening to a playlist of pop music from the old 2000s, um, specifically the early 2000s. A couple of bangers on there. I, I, I've, I, I think in my old age, I've, um, I've got a newfound appreciation for, you know, pop music or music that I might have rejected during my, my teenage years, um, when you know you, you used to care what people thought about. What you liked musically and all that. Uh, now I can safely say, you know, all saints are good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Daniel Bedingfield, if you're not the one, is a banger. So yeah, I've listened to a load of that kind of stuff. Um, Goodbye by the Spice Girls has rocketed up into my like top 50 all-time Spotify songs as well. This is, this is this is very mature of you to go back and look on this stuff you previously would have scoffed at. Well, I mean, I like it now. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I think I did, there were some kind of gateway ones um, from more kind of modern music. Uh, like, I like a lot of the Clean Bandit stuff. Um, and I like, uh, you know, Zara Larson and stuff like that. So that, that kind of enabled me to look back on, you know, the 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 Britney and Backstreet Boys back catalogue, and then from there it just kind of went deeper and deeper, you know. Mm. So that's really all. Um, no, as Barry said, I didn't get a chance to listen to that. Uh, as I said, because I just forgot to do it, no other reason. Um, but I will have that for next week. I'll listen to that album. Okay. That's all. What game have you been playing, Barry? I've just been playing hours and hours and hours of Call of Duty. You're one um, of them now. I'm one of them. I just do esports now. Hmm. Um, Are you a Twitch uh, yes. partner? Uh, not yet. No, no, no money yet at all. Um, yeah, it's kind of it kind of suits me down to the ground that there's basically been no major releases to play this year so far because um, I've just been um, playing this one game a lot. It's just, it's really, it's. I think it's, it also helps that it's like a, a good podcast game. Yeah. Um, like, you know, I stick it on and I just, because I don't, I, don't, I don't play anything that requires coordination with a team. That's never how I play these games. Just team deathmatch. Every man for, well, not every man for himself, but I don't need to rely on anyone else. And I love it. I think I, my, I checked my, my kind of career stats thing there the other day. I think I'm at like 30-ish hours um since the game came out in november right um i think my like lifetime stats on titanfall 2 which i gushed about on this show for so long uh that came out like three or four years ago i think my overall hour count on that was like 40 
So in like three months, I'm, I'm, I'm about to overtake that on Call of Duty. It's just tremendous. It's just so, 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 so good. And um, for all my griping about the, the never-ending updates and the size of the updates, and they are massive, um, the, the, the way they roll out fun little playlists and new maps and new, you know, little gimmicky things that you can try out if you want, but they, they're not tied into the, the main game is really, really excellent. And, and there's a Battle Royale coming soon, which I know I'm going to get devoured by. Um, it's tremendous, yeah. And uh, the old, I still have the old Game Pass subscription that I am not using at all uh, at the moment because I'm just playing Call of Duty. But um, yeah, it's great. It remains great. And that's my one game you know, for the last uh, the two weeks, but also the last three months. Yeah. I mean, as you said, there's no kind of games out at the moment. Uh, we're we're all anticipating the new Animal Crossing here. I watched the uh, direct for that. The other day. Oh yeah, that's soon. Yeah, yeah, really excited for that. But I did. Um, I was going through my um, the little boxes under my TV cupboard here, going through some of the controllers uh, that I've accumulated over the years. Picked up the little N sixty four controller, and I did kind of have a pang of, oh, I'd love to go through Super Mario sixty four again. So I don't know if that's a project that I might kind of dip into on before Animal Crossing comes out. I do love me some Mario 64 and I do have it and I do have a Nintendo 64 so that might, that might be one for me to try out but in the meanwhile I'm still just playing uh, Nino Kuni and uh, Pez that's my game in life would you would you have to use it on the N64 or would you just emulate it um I don't I wouldn't have to but given that I have an N64 I mean I might as well go for the the real experience right i guess yeah, yeah. i mean i i have beaten it on an emulator also mm. um with a like xbox 360 controller but that was a little bit finicky yeah i'd probably just do um, it i've been meaning to install a, a, an n64 emulator on my new laptop uh that that aki fan project i saw that yeah uh, I've been. I gotta get on that. It looks really great, and I can tell that's gonna be one of those things that that's gonna be supported to no end. Absolutely. Because um, it's got like a base roster, and if you haven't seen this, it's uh, Aki Evolution. You can find all the info on on Twitter. I think that's their Twitter handle. It's just kind of a a, a prettied up, you know, slightly enhanced, slightly deeper, uh, No Mercy uh, um, uh, mod. Uh, and it has like a base roster of just like like ten or twelve legends. Like it's like Austin Cena, Rock Sting, Eddie Guerrero, Ric Flair. But um, it, it's pulled together a lot of great minds in the modding community. So I'm sure in a few months it's going to have just every arena and every wrestler ever to have laced up a pair of boots will be on there. Um, uh, they've they've made like unique move animations and stuff like that. It's just it's been an ongoing thing to kind of follow online for a while, and it's nice to actually see it come out. So might fire might get the old N sixty four. I made her go, and I might just play some classic N sixty four games while I'm at it. Um, uh, yeah, but um, yeah, that's uh, that's it. So so are you are you getting Animal Crossing Day One? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, I that, I, that, I, is, I, that is a real big Animal Crossing player, so. I've never played one. Ah, it's a shame. It was their fun. I got really, really addicted to the one on the GameCube when that first came out. And I did play a bit of New Leaf, but I didn't quite get as addicted to it because it was kind of felt very similar to the GameCube one. Whereas from watching the Direct, this one seems like there's a lot more activities and stuff to do with it. So 
yeah, looking forward to that. Also, Doom Two is coming out, or whatever, what? the, whatever, whatever the fuck they're calling that new one. Eternal. It's the new Doom. Uh, that looks awesome. I was gonna put down Call of Duty, pick up Doom, just shoot. I just shoot things now, baby. Um, bang bang. Yeah. Um, I I actually don't know which of those uh, I'm gonna get because I'm I'm kind of curious about Animal Crossing. Also, I really need to dust off the Switch. I have not touched my Switch um in months i think i think i think a lot of people have their uh, their periods or their on and off periods with their switch me not being a pokemon guy means i have not yeah. touched that switch in forever um so i think animal crossing may be the time i jump back in but um but yeah that's the uh i think that's all of our game golf thankfully because we have a million films to talk about um Oh, where should we start? Uh, who wants to go first? We've got, a, we've got a lot of heavy hitters here to talk about. Well, you've been away for a couple of few weeks. So why don't you All right. I'll, 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 I'll check a couple off here before we yeah. talk about the ones that, that I think uh, we collectively have seen. Um, I saw Train to Busan, um, uh, which is a film that came highly recommended to me, I believe by people on this podcast, but also by lots of other people and uh, my, my missus, who said it's one of her favorite films ever. And I was like, Ooh. okay, those are some those are some high high praise there. It was on the old 4OD uh, Channel 4 service. I think it also just got added to Netflix as well. Um, uh, so yeah, this is a, a, a Korean zombie movie set on a train, and it is really, really, really tremendous. Um, uh, really uh, tense and uh, well acted, uh, and very, uh, very creatively directed in some scenes. Obviously, it's a it's a very narrow, claustrophobic uh, setting, being on a train, which can give you some, uh, which can scare you right off the bat, but also could be quite challenging to to you know uh, make a, a compelling film in that setting. Uh, really, really, really enjoyed it. And uh, much like another Korean film we're going to talk about, uh, some commentary about how uh, life is and that, uh, and how maybe the people in first class, ooh, watch out for them. They're the real flesh-eating zombies, um, uh, which I did enjoy. But yeah, uh, really, really, really great stuff. Uh, uh, Top-notch uh, zombie film. Uh, I believe it is getting a Western remake, which I have no interest in. Um but uh yeah so i saw that uh, i finally like uh, many 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 years later i finally saw the world's end um Ooh, which was wow. the third of the uh quote-unquote cornetto trilogy films uh thoroughly enjoyed it yeah really really enjoyed it um i thought that the kind of revelation of what's you know really going on I think it you just couldn't help but f- could think about hot fuzz when it yeah. when it's happened and how oh, this is like you know not to say they're the same film because they're really not but the the revelations are too close together for my liking um, specifically that kind of small town middle England feel of the setting um, is is kind of hard to shake but I will say I thought it was probably the the most most satisfied i felt by the characterization of the of the characters in any of these three films whereas i would say the other two are probably stronger overall films um uh for sure i think you can probably make the case that they got worse as they went along overall 
but uh, I thought the the Simon Pegg character in this one was a bit more interesting than the previous two. Um, yeah, a, a a fine a fine closing chapter to to that great series. Um, uh, uh, what else have I seen here that the others have not seen? Oh, I'm the only one lucky enough to have seen Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, which oh. someone brought an actual shoot baby child less than one year old into the theater to watch. What the fuck? I guess they had two other kids with them. I guess they couldn't get a sitter. Um, uh, well, actually, this little baby did not make a sound during Sonic. I think it just went to sleep. Um, but I saw Sonic the Hedgehog, and it was a perfectly fine three star family movie with a couple of chuckles and a couple of cute moments. And uh like a, a a shockingly decent writing of a sonic character which i thought would be the big if the rest of the movie was fine i was like there's no way they'll make sonic likable or or endearing but they they do a good job um um it really is i mean it, you kind of talk a lot about the low bar for for video game films when you talk about you know mortal kombat and the, I liked the the most recent Tomb Raider movie, and, and this is kind of that again. I, I I wouldn't say race out and go see it. It's so funny. It's so endearing. It's really not, but it's 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 a it's a good little movie, and it's like I think it's like less than two hours long, and um, not quite at the nineties peak. But but Jim Carrey is going full Jim Carrey in this movie. Um, he is being a Saturday morning cartoon, and it is quite amusing. Um. So. So. Yeah. Uh, that's. It, it was a worthwhile uh, uh, watch if you were curious about just seeing video game movies. Um. Yeah. So. Uh. I think that's all the movies I've seen that no one else has seen. So if someone else wants to pick up from there and we can work through the rest of the list, um, that's fine. Uh. I'll, I'll quickly run through my my three. Um. So I saw. Can you ever forgive me? Which was a film with Melissa McCarthy and Richard E. Grant from a couple of years ago that got quite a few Oscar nominations, mm-hmm. um, based on a true story of a writer who's kind of down on her luck and isn't selling anything, and ends up realising that she can make a lot of money by forging uh, letters written by uh, you know, notable kind of celebrities of yesteryear. Um, and she kind of does that, and eventually it all starts to go a bit wrong, um, it was a kind of fun film. I'm not quite sure I get the hype of all the award nominations because it didn't quite get to a level where I was really kind of invested in in the characters or the story. Um, but it was it was enjoyable enough. Um, but you know, kind of decent performances and a, a, a kind of interesting true story. Um, we watched uh, one of Michelle's favourites. She's the man. Starring Amanda Bynes. Um, this is the movie from, I think it's 2005. Oh, yeah. Um, where Amanda Bynes. It's a kind of retelling of uh, William Shakespeare's uh, Twelfth Night. Um, yeah, but better, yeah. Go on. But better, because it's got uh, Vinnie Jones in it. Um, and he, <laughs> Amanda as, Bynes, Vinnie Jones. As far as I know, Vinnie Jones was not in any of the original William Shakespeare's productions of Twelfth Night. <laughs> Um, also, has a young Channing Tatum in, in what I think was one of his first kind of breakthrough roles. Really? Yeah, he plays the the kind of love interest. Um, so anyway, yeah, Amanda Bynes is a a soccer player um, whose team gets uh, cancelled because I think for budget reasons or something. So she's frustrated. So to to make up for it, she 
takes her brother's place at a prestigious private school and pretends to be a boy uh, so that she can join the, the soccer team there and kind of prove how good she is and that she can compete with, with the guys. Um, so it's a very, it's a fun film. You know, it's very kind of mid-2000s. Um, but it's very funny. And Amanda Bynes was, was really, really good. She was kind of a similar path to Lohan in many ways. I think she was you know, a good actress, um, lots of kind of comic potential, but then it also went a bit off the rails, which is, which is very sad. Um, she's great in this. There are quite obvious overtones of Bend It Like Beckham, which came out a few years before this, uh, of kind of like female empowerment and football and things like that. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it still still holds up pretty well. So I, I enjoyed that. And it's, got, it's very quotable as well, which I think is why Michelle likes it. Uh, so we've been quoting that ever since. Um, so, yeah, if you ever want to check that out, it's on Amazon Prime. Oh. Um, and I also watched, um, after having watched, and we'll talk about this in a second, Uncut Gems, um, went back to watch some more safety uh, movies mm. and checked out A Good Time with yes. with your boy, the Batman, Robert Patton- Pattinson. Yes. Cedric Diggory in the house. Um, he, yeah, it was, it was a good film. I enjoyed it. I don't think it was quite on the level of, of Uncut Gems, but what is, quite frankly. Um, but I, I did enjoy it, kind of very kind of interesting sort of stylization and the way it plays out. Um, and I, I found the character, the main character, kind of really interesting, kind of an anti hero, quite almost a, a narcissist in some ways. Um, if you look at his kind of relationship with his um, mentally uh, disabled brother, um, but yeah, I really feel I think that's definitely worth checking out if you enjoyed Uncut Gems or are kind of interested in their work. So thumbs up for that one. Yeah. Grand. Okay, and then it comes to me. Um, so speaking of the Safty brothers, mm. um, I checked out Uncut Gems. Oh yes. Um, um, and I liked it a lot, of course. I think I, all the movies I'm going to talk about, I really enjoyed. <laughs> Let me mm. get that out of the way first and foremost. Um, I think, however, I think it was uh, a victim of not necessarily being overhyped, but you know, with Parasite, which we'll we'll talk about it for the final time today because i think we've reviewed parasite about seven times on this podcast already <laughs> um i uh with parasite obviously what was great about it was going into it knowing nothing about it and so you really didn't have any expectations it was all you know you're 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 ready and willing for it to be whatever it was going to be right uh with uncut gems i had heard um much talk about how how you know uh, anxiety-inducing it was, how stressful a movie it was, with with mass walkouts because people just couldn't handle, you know, the stress associated with the level, uh, the level of stress associated with the movie, excuse me. And so I was expecting, like, a really, really out-of-control escalation of just a situation. And, you know, to an extent it was, but I don't think it was quite to the level that I had expected it to be. Mm. Um, I guess I had in my head I know Barry's scene I'm not sure about you Joe but I kind of pictured something 
like a, a a thriller version, not necessarily you know a horror, but a thriller version of something like Mother that just escalates and escalates and escalates. Yeah, I I was I was expecting something Mother esque. I I feel like Good Time was a little bit more. And I think I think Good Time, by virtue of of being set over the course more or less over the course of one night, um, uh, had had a bit more frantic energy about it. Hmm. Um, yeah, I I, I kind of had that exact same reservation, and I think it I think it is, um, I think it's a, a little bit to do with the overhype. I I I was I really enjoyed it, but yeah, I was expecting it to be yeah pulling my hair out with the tension. Um, but I, I wasn't quite there. There was, was one moment where I got there, but it was fleeting. Mm-hmm. And that's where, um, I'll be vague here for people who haven't seen it, but where one of the characters goes to a concert to retrieve an item, and mm-hmm. the other character is very nonchalantly, oh, I don't have it. And I was like, oh, what do you mean you don't have it? Just sit here. But, um, <laughs> like, like, yeah, I mean, I, I think of the two, I probably prefer Good Time. Um, I like how kind of grimy and gritty it is, and Uncut Gem, like they're both movies are like very tacky in a way. Um, mm-hmm. But whereas Good Time is, is you know very dank and grimy, Uncut Gems is kind of the upper class version of that. Everything is very um, kind of sanitized and you know ex- in excess. I thought Adam Sandler was excellent in it, of course. Um, I will say I I did not think it was any kind of notable Oscar snub that he didn't get. Uh, I, I disagree. I think I think I think he was really great in it. Although I liked, I think a lot of the the you know the other performances in the film have kind of been swept up in it. Like I thought Idina Menzel was great in it. Yes, um, yeah. I thought Lakeith Stanfield was great in it. I love Lakeith Stanfield. You He's know, so- like. Yeah, a load of really great performances that have been kind of caught up in the Sandler whirlwind, which is a bit of a shame. Because I didn't even know Idina Menzel was in the film until she <laughs> turned up. Like, well, the, I suppose that is kind of the ironic thing of it not getting the Oscar nomination is it was that actor doing a transformative performance that they don't usually do. So I think that's why everyone, A, was so swept up in it, and B, thought it would get the Oscar. I think what he needed, he needed more makeup. He needed prosthetics on his face. So you didn't even know it was Adam Sandler. That's what he needed. <laughs> the same film, but he's in a wheelchair. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I thought it was really, really great. And I think the Safties are definitely ones to watch. Mm. Um, I, I I wouldn't even say I was like disappointed with it in any way. I was just kind of expecting a more more out of control madness to it. And while it was you know consistently very stressful, it was kind of like an eight out of ten throughout, rather than moving from an eight to a nine to a ten. Like it didn't feel like it escalated to get worse and worse. It was more just kind of constant. Um, but yeah, big thumbs up for that. But I would probably err to the side of of good times. But that also, you know, with the bias of having seen good time first. So I think you're you're also gonna go with what you see first as the kind of baseline for it. Um. So speaking of Robert Pattinson or Cedric Diggory, I also watched or Batman or that character from Good Time, whatever his name is. Um. I also watched The Lighthouse. I don't know if either of you have seen it yet. No, uh, not yet. Um, favorite film of the year so far? 
above mm. above Uncut mm. Gems. Um, mm. I I really thought it was fantastic. Um, it's it's the same director and writer of The Witch, which you might recall I absolutely hated. Mm. Um, everyone else liked it though. Everyone else liked it. I really didn't like it, and I had some problems with it. Like I I thought the the dialogue was pretty poorly delivered especially with like the, I, I couldn't buy into the kids doing the Shakespearean dialogue it sounded super wooden and forced to me I couldn't buy into what they were saying that kind of impacted for me the feel of the movie and it just never c- kind of clicked um, let me tell you I could he- I could listen to Willem Dafoe talk like a crazy pirate man for hours and he's great um, it's essentially a two man show there's really only two actors in the whole movie it's Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe. They're fantastic. Um, the film is shot in this like square aspect ratio. Okay. Which, mm. I mean, as Barry said with uh, Train to Busan, um, gives you like a su- super claustrophobic feel mm. because the two characters have to fit into this square image. Um, they're essentially locked away in a lighthouse for quite a while. And start to go mad, or do they start to go mad? Um, weird, start weird stuff definitely starts to happen. Um, Will and the foe is fantastic in it. Um, I love Big Will. I love Big Will, and I would say, um, he should probably got Oscar nominated for it. Okay. Um, he's like properly transformative without um having prosthetics on. He does have a, a big beard. Big bushy beard. Was this nominated for anything? I don't, was I don't remember. It wasn't. Was... It wasn't. It wasn't nominated. For mm-hmm. um, but I thought it was really fantastic. It was really. Um, and I know Barry's uh, Barry's along with me on this. I love a movie that feels like a nightmare. Yes. This, yeah. This feels like a like a weird fever <laughs> dream nightmare. Um, so I was kind of totally on board with all that. There's like symbolism in it. There's an extremely good, um, <laughs> extremely good um, soliloquy by Willem Dafoe. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, tremendous stuff. Um, and I, I found the ending also very satisfying. I just totally on board with the whole thing. I thought it was fantastic. Um, Excellent. Definitely the kind of movie that I can see being divisive, but I think like The Witch. If you can kind of buy into the premise, I think you'll have you know, a, a whale of a time with it. I thought it was really great. Yeah, I, I, I'm really excited to check it out. Uh, I still haven't seen The Witch. <laughs> well, I mean, the, I know that I was... I wasn't even necessarily on an island with The Witch. The Witch was really divisive. I know people who loved it, and I know people who hated it, and there was very few people in the middle. Um, whereas The Lighthouse seems to be more universally uh, liked... And funnily enough, a lot of the negative, or the let's say the more negative re- reviews I've seen of it, um, are from people who really like The Witch. So, mm. I don't know if there's a, a, a disconnect there or what. But um, I would say also it might be a movie to watch with subtitles. Because the accents are strong and the way they speak is weird. Um, it has a witch-like vocabulary in that a lot of, their, a lot of what they say is... is uh, like something an old sea dog would say, and so it doesn't necessarily make 
sense in normal English. <laughs> but um, yeah, I thought it was really fantastic. And then I had two rewatches of some of my favorite movies from last year. Uh, rewatched Knives Out. Yes. Which, you know, me and Barry were big on. Joe wasn't quite so mm. hot on. Um, mm. I really loved it again on rewatch. I think it's such just such a fun movie. Um, yeah. Everyone is great in it. Uh, it looks fantastic. I love the the geographic. Uh, <laughs> Let me say the word geography and pronounce it correctly, please. Uh, I love the geography of the like the house, the layout of the house. Almost felt like a Cluedo board. Like you knew where everything was. Um, I just thought it was really, really fun and uh, super satisfying. And I'm very happy they're doing a, a sequel. I'm definitely on board with that. I will be there to watch that in the cinema as soon as that comes out. Um. And then we come to the elephant in the room because I know I've seen it twice. Joe's seen it twice. Barry, you finally saw Parasite. I finally saw. Well, they so yeah, someone in my town finally decided to fucking show the thing. Um, <laughs> yes, I did see it, and you know what else? I saw it in a theater, and I I, I did. I don't know what the uh, Korean, what size the Korean community is in Limerick, but there was a lot of them. Uh, uh, in attendance, which is actually quite nice to see. Uh, yes, I have finally seen The Parasite. Good, isn't it? Good, isn't it? Good movie. Good movie, isn't it? Good. Um, uh, t- 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 uh, if you want to talk about snubs, um, that entire cast for, <laughs> for any awards at all, uh, even, a, even a nod would have been nice. Um, uh, for them, but yeah, tremendous. I mean, I'm so late to the party on this. There's nothing I can say about it that this um, that hasn't already been said. But like, you know, a film of two halves, and they're both they're both great at what they're trying to do, and they play into each other super well. Uh, just tremendous, and, I, and I'm glad I went in relatively cold. I I had an idea of the broad strokes themes of what it was going to be. I mean, how could you not? Yeah. But um, the actual content of the film, I was not at all familiar with, and uh, it was fantastic. I had a great, a great cinema experience as well. Uh, being in there with a, a group of people reacting and, and and seeing it all for the first time, loved it. Yeah, I, no no qualms with that as the uh, as the best picture winner. Certainly not. Um, I have, I think I've seen most of the nominees except except the two Netflix ones. Ironically enough. Uh, but yeah, really loved it. Really, really loved it. Yeah, and then uh, my rewatch, uh, I loved it also. <laughs> it's just so good. Um, I I think I found it because you know watching it the first time, it's uh, you know we talk about uncut gems. Watching Parasite the first time is a very tense experience. Um, I on rewatch, I, I I could appreciate how funny it is more than I think the first time. Such a funny mm. movie as well. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. Um, so my rewatch, I noticed more the melancholy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the real I mean, kind of is. sad bits. Yeah. And you picked out the fun bits. See, you can just watch it. And get, well, I mean, I think especially, I think especially the first half is very, very funny. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, on rewatch, um, that whole um, peach set piece. Oh yeah. Oh. Chef's kiss. Mwah. Let me tell Mwah. you. Let me tell you. Oh, I know. I know you pointed that out, Joe, when we were talking about it after your yeah. rewatch. And yeah, yeah. It, I mean that that whatever four minutes or whatever it is stands out as like the peak of the film for me. 
yeah, in yeah, terms yeah, of yeah. in terms of filmmaking as a art form, that's that was purely what it was. Ah, tremendous, tremendous stuff. So yeah, that's all the films that we watched. Nice, nice. I have an email, by the way. Go on, then. A tenth anniversary email. Let me open. Oh. It. Okay, here we go. Is it Chris Blake? Paul Griffin. When do I come back? <laughs> no, fuck off. You're banned. Um, no. It's from Pornhub subscription. No. Uh, <laughs> it's from Stevie the Boy Binkle. Uh, Binkster. Wel- welcome back, Binky. Oh. Oh, Stevie Boy Binkle. Um, oh. Subject Irish readings. He says, Happy anniversary, lads. I'm currently reading Ulysses. By Ireland's own James Joyce for grad school, <laughs> widely regarded as one of the one of the most difficult novels to read, uh, it certainly lives up to its rep. Though lear- learning turn of the twentieth century Irish, <laughs> this this email is one of the most difficult ones to read. Um, it certainly lives up to its rep. I, I'm guessing this is though the learning curve of the twentieth century Irish slang has certainly been entertaining. Yeah, I mean. We don't talk English good, that's for sure. Um, have any of you, especially Paul or Barry, uh, as you know, as Irishman Joe, uh, yeah. tried reading any of Joyce's work? If not, are there any other Irish or UK writers you're fans of or would recommend? Congrats on 10 years. And he signs off The Bink, which, of course, I appreciate. Um, I've never read any of Joyce's work, but we did visit the James Joyce museum in dublin a few years ago that's pretty cool but um i'm not a a huge reading guy admittedly (laughs) no um as you can tell by my reading of that email just now but uh yeah i i would i would tend towards novels that are very easy to read as opposed to uh very difficult i i've read for example all of the mr men books oh yes um and most if not all of the adventures of Spot the Dog. Um, There's a crocodile hiding under the table! Uh, But no, I've never read any of Joyce. Um, Any other Irish or UK writers that we'd recommend? Charles Dickens. Charles Dickens. I've I've read a a few Dickens books. Yeah, he's good. He's pretty good. The the dick. The big dick. (laughs) The old cock dickster, he's one of the best. Um I like uh Great Expectations, particularly I think that's a real a real good one. Yeah. Um who else good? Uh Oh, if you want a bit of the modern day poetry, a little bit more relatable. What about uh you know, Roddy, Mr. Roddy Doyle? Um, um, and if you're too poor to buy a book, just follow on Facebook, and every time a celebrity dies, he'll post about it. With a <laughs> yeah. Uh, ne- never mind all this. Oh, forsooth, the the sun come through the window. No, 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 no. Just ah, oh, Jesus, party. Sure, you didn't see who fucking died the other day. Ah, Jesus, Jim, I did. For fucking sake, you couldn't. Sure, you couldn't be up to the dying. Sure, you couldn't. Not to. Oh, Jim, not to tell oh, Jesus. Did you do the last one yesterday, did you? Oh, I, <laughs> <laughs> I have read a few of Ronnie Doyle's books as well, and they are very good. 
Yeah, of course, yeah. If very Irish also in their kind yeah. of humor. And also, you know, one of the few Irish kind of novelists where, like, if you like the books, there's, like, a film adaptation of most of them Yeah, um, uh, that you can enjoy. Uh, also, Barry's blog is pretty good. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes he writes on it. That's all right. Uh, no, film rights available. Yeah. Uh, so thanks for the email, uh, Binky. Good to hear from you. That's the only uh, email that I have received. I have an email. I have an email here. Uh, it's from one Michelle. Um, Michelle Michelle Towner. Um, she has here, hi lad, hearing you guys talk about how AJ Styles dislocated his shoulder made me think if there were wrestlers who were on their way to a big push then got injured, did any of these people get the push after they recovered? Thanks. That is a great question, Michelle. Thank I you very think, much. I can think of one immediately. Uh, I, I'm i going to guess what one you're thinking of because it's the one because I, I also had one come straight to mind. Are you thinking of Mr. Kennedy? I am thinking of Mr. Kennedy. And that was a fake injury as well. It wasn't even a real one. Yeah, Mr. Mr. Kennedy had... And he didn't get the real the push afterwards. He got fired. No, he didn't. He never, he never regained his uh, his position. Mr. Kennedy um, had the Money in the Bank briefcase in 2007. There was a, a glut of injuries that decimated the brand he was on at the time. And so they swapped some things around and they hastily took the took the briefcase off him and said he was injured and gave it to Edge and Edge became world champion. But Kennedy was not in fact injured. And then shortly after that, he was very, very, very publicly uh, suspended for, for taking drugs uh, shortly after going on the news and saying, I don't take drugs. Um, And that was, that was effectively the end of him. Um, Injuries. And that derailed them for, for life. Um, There's probably a couple of really obvious ones. I feel like, uh, well, Steve Austin is probably a big one. Um, you know, um, because yeah, his one was kind of weird because he sort of just like he broke his neck and he missed like six weeks of TV or something, or not even TV. He was on TV, but he couldn't wrestle. Um, that's a weird one because that should have derailed him probably longer than than it actually did. Um, hmm. Anyone else come to mind, lads? Magnum TA. Oh yes, yeah, probably the most famous one, I guess. Wasn't, yeah, it was a car injury, not a wrestling injury, but obviously he forced him into retirement. And he was supposed to be the next Ric Flair or whatever. I don't know. Probably was not shit, but who knows? And other injuries. Hmm. Hmm. Um, I think now. Daniel Bryan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, he'd already he'd already got the push. In fact, he was probably about to be buried. Kofi Kingston style. Um, hmm. I mean, I think Kennedy is the, the quintessential example, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Orton was injured on and off a lot, but again, he was always going to be that guy. Batista's, Batista won the world title and was was coronated the guy and then was derailed by an injury kind of at, at his apex. Um, but but again, because they had already made him, when he came back, they persevered and they just put him right back at the top. Um, 
Yeah. The thing about Kennedy was that he, he, he got suspended and he got hurt. And every time he would come back, he would get hurt again. Or he'd get in trouble for hurting someone else. So it was kind of like it wasn't just a case of, oh, this one incident derailed him. It was like he couldn't stay out of trouble, um, which is, uh, you know, which is more of a factor. Um yeah, yeah, that's a that's a tough one. I think I think if they if they give enough of a shit about you, uh, they'll make it work. You know what I mean? Regardless if you get hurt here or there. Yeah. Uh, that's my one email. Thanks very much, Michelle. That was an interesting question. Twas. Did you get an email, Joe? Uh, no. Oh. Well, we appreciate all our emails. Thanks very much, boys. Um, since it's our birthday, I have a quick rest or twenty questions if you want. Buddy. Alright, I'm going to open up a notepad here. So listeners mm. can play along at home. Mm. Okie dokie, I have this open here in front of me. Okay. Uh, Joe, do you want to kick us off? Yes. Is this person uh, an active wrestler? Uh, no. Okay. Not active. Okay. Uh, is this person alive? They are alive. Okay. I mean, I would hope so. I haven't checked Twitter in about an hour. <laughs> um, has this person ever wrestled for WWE? They have. Okay. Oh my god, West Ham are winning. Jesus Christ. What? 2-1. <laughs> they just scored. Sorry. What was that? Live football what was your... update. They have... What was Joe's question they there? Ha- they have wrestled in WWE. Okay. Uh, have they ever held a major league world title? No. Never held a world world title. So okay. Um, did they ever hold a championship in WWE? They did. Okay. Okay. Um. Hmm. Not active, alive. Okay. Hmm. Was this person a star in the Attitude Era? No. Um, did this person ever hold the Intercontinental title? They did. Okay. Okay, so... Okay. Um, hmm. Pre or post Attitude Era? I, I, I'm thinking possibly pre if they're not active. Good shout, good shout. Uh, and that, if that's the case, that would really narrow it down because then you've got limited IC champions. Yeah. Do you want to go like, pri- did they hold it prior to 97 or something like okay, that? Okay, yeah, sure. Uh, did this person uh, hold the Intercontinental Championship prior to, yeah, 1997? No, they did not. They did not. Okay. Okay. Mm, that's annoying. Sorry. Um, 
How dare you? I'll call them and tell them they should have won the IC title. Yeah. Okay, so someone who's held the IC title in the last 23 years and never held a world championship. Okay. How's this, did this person hold the IC title in the last 10 years? Yes. Okay. Okay, that could be uh, any one of 10 million people. Um mm. Okay, the last 10 years, excuse me, of Intercontinental Champions, not active. Okay, so right off the top of my head, I think this could, knowing Paul, and this being the anniversary CSP, this could be Wade Barrett. (laughs) Intercontinental Champion in the last 10 years, not in the Attitude Era, didn't hold the world title, alive but not active. He's a commentator, but I wouldn't yeah. call that active. No, active. Um, hang on, I gotta sneeze. Um, we could say, um, I don't know. Is he contracted to any of the big companies? Uh, NWA or yeah. Um, okay. Is this person? contracted in any capacity wrestler or otherwise to WWE AEW or NWA yes okay Ooh, okay, okay. and they're not I, I, I think I think we have our man here okay um, is this um, wrestler American no so a non-American IC champion. Non-American. Okay, is this person today, currently, uh, predominantly known as a commentator? Yes. <gasps> Joe, do you want to guess? Oh, yeah. Do you think we are we close enough? Yes, I think I think we are. I think we are. I'm just thinking, what other comment? There's no other. Uh, you can ask. You can ask if he's British. That would read. That would prop. That would make make it guaranteed. You know. Yeah, but do we want to show off and get <laughs> Yeah, I think we do. I think we do. You think in terms of commentators on AEW, you've got JR, Taz, Excalibur, Tony Schiavone. Uh, in WWE, you got Nigel. Yeah, Nigel McGuinness. You got a bunch of robots. Um, I don't even know anyone. The other. Don't know any. Every time I watch it, I'm like, what is happening? Who are these freaks? Who is who is Mason Fredericks? Who the fuck uh, is he? Why who? is Tom Phillips on every show now? God. Um, yeah. Okay. Right. The only person who meets that criteria and is an Intercontinental Champion is, is yeah. Mr. Stu Bennett, I believe. <clears throat> okay, question 13. Is it White Barrett? It is. Yeah. Yes. I walk right. for miles inside this pit of danger. Just Batista song for no reason. <laughs> I mean, uh, very, very worked it out because it's the the anniversary show. Yeah, um, now, that's great because, of course, the the great thing about our show is it coincides with the launch of NXT. <laughs> uh, back when NXT was like indescribable. Um, 
And I remember, like, I'm sure if we went back and watched it, it it wouldn't even be kind of good. I'm sure it was just shit. I mean, but I remember being oddly hopeful for it at the start. And, like, honestly, in a way that we haven't in a long, long time since, like, kind of getting into it and thinking, oh, you know, this person has this, this person has that. Oh, that might work. This didn't work. Oh, WWE doesn't seem to be going with this. You know what I mean? Like, getting into it in a way, and then it was just, by the end, it was just a complete farce because they they went out of their way to kill Brian and and just they they WWE their way through it. Um yeah, but um yeah, that's that was a, that was a nice little uh, uh 20 questions it's there. It's a shame though because Barry, you worked out that it was Wade Barrett after nine questions. So if you had guessed there and then, you would have got on the 10th question on the 10th anniversary. Oh, oh well, there's always, there's always uh the 20th anniversary, you know. Yeah. Um, Not the 30th, though. You'll only have 20 questions then. Um, yeah, because obviously, as as Barry said, he he, he won the first NXT. Um, so since we did that quickly, I, I had a, an, another idea in mind before we went to um, the wrestling guff. And it's a, um, it's not quite a explain and... Oh, wait a minute here. I haven't done just gimmick in a minute. Um, but um, I don't think... Did we ever tell the story on this you know ostensibly a wrestling podcast about how we got into wrestling in the first place uh no i don't know it seems like something we would have talked about uh well do you want to kick us off yeah i mean i for the longest time was someone who was like no wrestling's fake as as you know as a lot of people do as a means to be like i it is no good um, and I had some cousins who um, who watched it and were big on it. And these were cousins that were, you know, were what a year, a couple of years older than me. So I kind of looked up to them, kind of um, hero worshipped them. And I used to be at their house quite a bit, and so I think I kind of. Even there, I would be kind of ah, wrestling's fake. It's fake. How can you like it? It's fake. And yet, and then eventually, it, I, I guess I just kind of, through being exposed to it, um, got into some of the characters. So this would have been, I guess, my first time, like my first time becoming aware of wrestling or what it was, probably in, you know, 96, I want to say, 96, 97. Um, and, and I kind of, at the start, only watched it, you know, quite fleetingly. I wasn't, um, I wasn't a routine watcher, I guess, um. Because I, I, I can remember seeing specific kind of bits on uh, Livewire, which used to be shown on Sky One yes, on yeah. Saturday mornings. Um, and then, I, I like I said, I remember seeing bits and knowing now what happened back then, it would be like I would see, you know, um, the, the Steve Austin, um, you know... Uh, coming out in the corp the corporation gimmick and then you know pretending that he had been like you know he joined Vince McMahon this is just after Wrestlemania 14 and then revealing that it was a ruse you know da, da, da. and then the next time next memory I have like seeing something would have been like six months later <laughs> so there's like these big gaps in, in my memory I think I properly kind of got into it in in like mid to late 98 I think it was so it was, it was much later although early on 
like from from like 98 to maybe 2002 i you know i used to go to hmv the whole time and buy you know wrestling videos to fill in those blanks from the times that i'd missed so i had this one um this one steve austin tape was called uh stone cold said so and as well yes these, uh, i had that one yeah that was with the little compilation tapes that kind of covered his career from like late 96 to early mid 97 kind of the, the pillman stuff and the bret hart stuff um and that was great and yeah and then i finally kind of got into it and i remember um my cousins used to have all the these same cousins used to have all the old like um what are they called the, the old hasbro toys oh yeah um are you talking yeah like the real vintage and i used to remember looking at them i would just like look at them and not understand who the characters were you know the sergeant slaughters and the mm. the roddy pipers and that's that was really where i first became familiar with a lot of not even their names but just seeing these kind of you know bigger than larger than life uh characters and uh then before i knew it i was hooked and I remember vividly then, like I say, watching uh, l- watching Livewire became then a weekly a weekly deal, um, in kind of the heyday of uh, the ministry and the corporation. I thought that was just such a cool concept where you had these these two bad factions, one which was like, you know, owned by this this evil businessman, and then this weird satanic cult, and you know. In 1998, 99, I would have been like 11, 12 years old, 10, 11, 12 years old. So that was kind of like the coolest thing at that time. You know, oh my God, this guy, Undertaker, he drinks people's blood and shit. And it was just like the coolest thing. And, um, and then eventually, I remember the biggest deal uh, was when SmackDown started being shown in its entirety on uh, Saturday mornings on Sky One. Because we used to get Raw and SmackDown. My Raw and SmackDown fix used to come in a one-hour Livewire show. You would get both <laughs> Raw and SmackDown kind of cut up into this little you know, one-hour piece. Um, I remember then you also used to have on Sunday. I think Saturdays was only Livewire originally. And then Sunday you used to have uh, Shotgun, which was then rebranded to Metal. Yeah. And you used to have Superstars. And I remember once, uh, this again, this goes to, sh- to kind of show my not full-time watching. I remember in early 99, so this one even kind of into 99 where, where I was a bigger fan. For whatever reason, I didn't watch the Saturday show. And I remember watching, I guess it would have been Superstars. And it was the week that Steve Austin uh, had the big show, Paul White at the time, uh, pulled the Titantron down and then he kind of tore it up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um. And I remember my parents were like, uh, we have to go to Mass, we have to go to Mass now. And I was like, the wrestling's not over yet, I don't know what's going to happen. This is my church now. And I got in, <laughs> and I remember getting a real, <laughs> real big huff about it, right? And um, I remember another, like in 2002, no, would have been, would have been 2003. Oh my God, Salah's after scoring a horrendous goal. Um, 2003, uh, there was a SmackDown where uh, was it Paul Heyman had a cage match with Brock Lesnar with Vince oh, McMahon yeah. as a referee or something? Um, yeah, I remember that. 
I remember this was when we we had just moved into a new a new house because we were we were building a house so we were renting accommodation at the time. And uh, I remember we had you know this was this would have been like a, a Saturday evening I suppose I was, I hadn't I didn't wasn't watching the uh, the late night one I was watch, waiting for the the evening showing of. Um, Smackdown and my parents had friends over and they were kind of like don't worry we we'll um we won't be in the tv room we'll be going into another room um and you guys can watch Smackdown. I was like, All right. and then let's say nine o'clock came Smackdown's on they're, they're, they're still in the room five past ten past <laughs> and uh so what, 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 would I, what would I have been in 20 let's say I'm like 14 15 right the the peak age of being just a little fucking cunt, right? <laughs> and um, oh my goodness, ten minutes, fifteen minutes. I go in. I I I I, I, go, I go, like I don't want to make a scene, which I you know no sport. I eventually do, right? Um, you gonna move? And and I don't remember. I don't really remember their response, but um, I remember. You, you always don't slam the door, run upstairs. Oh my god, what a little fucking pussy. Anyway, um, and yeah, I mean, where a lot of people have had kind of gaps in watching wrestling throughout the years, I never really have. I've kind of consistently been aware of it. If not, like, obviously, we don't watch Raw and SmackDown and all that, but I've always watched some kind of wrestling. I I've never really kind of got fully out of it. Um,. So yeah, that's kind of my background, my story. Um, what about you guys? I'm interested. Uh, well, I I had some friends who watched wrestling, and I also thought, oh, that's both um, the, the two things I hated the most as a child: fakeness and gayness. Um, <laughs> I was like, I don't want any part of either of those, baby. <laughs> Um, and I remember they used to do things like we'd go over and we'd be playing PlayStation or whatever, and then they they'd put a wrestling VHS on it. Now, oh, get it out of my face! Um, and I can't remember what the turning point was, but I believe they they did not win me around my my friends who loved wrestling. But I remember I was at was I like a child minders not even a child minders I think I was just at a friend of my mam's uh one evening because she was like running errands and stuff and so I was being looked after and I was like you know eight years old or whatever and so she was like oh you know it's Saturday morning and she's like oh you, you know there's the telly stick on whatever you want and I was flicking and there was nothing on and this wrestling thing that the that the gays like <laughs> Uh, <laughs> this wrestling thing was on. I was like, "Oh, this stupid thing that is fake and bad." Um, uh, that was on, and it was um, Mick Foley. I this is this is burned into my brain. This this segment, uh, like Mick Foley being like, oh, "Steve Austin, I I respect that you want to find who ran you down, but you you gotta obey the rules, Steve. There are rules you gotta obey them." And I was like, "Oh, this man." Oh, he should probably obey the rules. I, I, I don't think he should cross the authority uh, in, in any kind of significant way. You know, you gotta, you gotta obey the rules. This man in the flannel, he commands a level of authority and respect. <laughs> he's certainly not some kind of mark for the he's not company. Kind of, he's not some kind of hobo mark who'd forever be licking the boot of the man who pays his his wages. <laughs> 
He he would definitely not quit only to return time after time again, <laughs> being humiliated every time. Uh, <laughs> and so so he was like, oh, respect the rules, Steve Austin. And then, uh, to my shock, Steve Austin laid him out and my stutter. And my commentator was like, oh, I'm so conflicted because I'm so cold, but also Mick Foley. And I was, uh, I, I was hooked, and I was like, "Well, I, I have to know. I have to know what happens next. I gotta know. Um, uh, uh, you know, who, does he find who ran him down? This guy seems cool. I knew vaguely who Stone Cold Steve Austin was, obviously, because yeah, I was yeah. alive in the two thousand, and I was, I was, I was hooked by his antics. Um, and off to the races from there. I just kind of, I, I watched it again the next week, and then I was properly hooked, and then I got into all the action and all the different characters and everything else, and I was in. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it was uh, pre- pretty straightforward stuff, but uh, there you go. Very good. Um, my tale goes way, way back to 1991. Wow. Um, when um, it was basically, you kind of post or tail end of the Hulkamania era and wrestling came over here with Sky Sports and was just a huge fad yeah. in sort of 1990, 90, 91, 92. Uh, just, a, just blew up, was like a kind of, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or Ghostbusters or Pokemon or whatever, where the kind of huge, you know, playground fad. Um, Pogs, it was the Pogs of 1991. Um, and so, yeah, just kind of got into it. I don't remember exactly. The first show I remember seeing was SummerSlam 1991, um, which is absolutely a fabulous show. Uh, lots of kind of mad stuff on it. But the, the, the match that always stands out was Bret Hart versus uh, Mr. Perfect for the Intercontinental title, which is a, a really good match. Uh, but also just just great kind of story to it. And from that moment, I was hooked and I, I became a huge fan of, of Bret Hart. Um, and the, the weird thing is I didn't, I didn't have Sky as a kid, um, and we didn't get Sky until about 1996, by which point I'd stopped watching wrestling because it was shy. Right. Right. Um, so I, I had to really kind of live vicariously through, uh, getting the VHS tapes, um, getting the odd recording from a friend who had Sky or cable and buying WWF magazine. Um, so I learned about Bret Hart's first world title win by reading it in WWF magazine a month later. Um, if you could, if you know people listening now who were possibly born sort of in 1996 or something mad like that, can can even fathom the idea of reading about a title change a month later in a magazine. Um, that was that was how it used to work. Uh, I kind of fell out of love with it, and then in 1998 I was watching the Big Breakfast, uh, and on the little news segment they used to have. They covered Mike Tyson getting back in the ring, but this time it's a wrestling ring. Um, they showed him arguing with Stone Cold, and I was like, hmm, wrestling, remember that? And, then, uh, <laughs> and you're like, this Stone Cold guy, he, he, he is not going to shove that celebrity. He better, he better, that man in the suit is like, you're ruining it, you're ruining it, Stephen. Yeah, yeah, it'll probably calm down in a minute. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Um, so I watched WrestleMania 14 and I watched Raw the next night and obviously Attitude Era was hooked, became a huge obsessive, um, was you know on forums and websites every day talking about wrestling, was in roleplay feds, um, portraying my favourite wrestlers 
um, in a kind of Dungeons and Dragons esque <laughs> um, role play games. Um, kept going for a few years again, obviously until the whole war ended, two thousand four. Bischoff, hot lesbian action, all that stuff. Had enough of that, stopped watching. And then finally came back in 2009 when you lot were all talking about it on the forum, talking about WrestleMania 25. Mm. And I was like, hmm, <laughs> I think I know a thing or two about wrestling. Let me just wade in here, tell you what's going to happen. Um, and, and that was it. And then the next year we started the podcast and yeah. getting ever since. Yeah. I remember... Um I I didn't have um, Sky or cable. We we had a thing called Cable Link here, which um, was like, you know, it, it, I guess in Ireland you kind of you know the Irish channels were you know RTE, RTE two, TV three, and TG Car came later, obviously. But we would have like you know this this seemed so fucking extravagant at the time, like thirteen channels. We get obviously like the English channels and all that, and then we got Sky One. That's how how I could watch wrestling. But I had a friend who had a satellite dish, and I remember being in his house and watching, um, well, two things. Right, I remember watching uh, that one time Sable was on and had the handprints on her knuckles. No, and I was no. like, <laughs> me, 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 me and Joe were were compelled by a, a anti-authoritarian <laughs> spirit and telling the man to f off. Whereas you were like, yes, man, please objectify this woman on my behalf. I'm, I am eight and my wee-wee needs to be tingly. <laughs> <laughs> but I also remember being in his house and like this other fucking super weird wrestling was on that felt like completely different and just so strange. Yes, folks, it was 2000 WCW. <laughs> which I had no exposure to at all. I didn't know what the fuck was happening. I remember um, the Kiss Demon coming out, and I was like, what the fuck is this? The strangest thing in the world. Um, but also, I have this like weird blind spot in my, um, in my early wrestling watching. Because, um, as I said, we moved house in um, late 2001, right? So, say from like September, or maybe late August, late August, early September, two thousand and one, up until maybe the, the April after, like the maybe backlash two thousand. That whole uh, end of the invasion, Booker T, Steve Austin, Big Boss Man return, Mister Perfect, NWO coming in. I didn't watch a single second of any of that. Now, I was kind of, you know, here and there reading about it online, but that whole time period to me is just like a weird black spot that I don't fully understand what was happening or going on or who was, what was going. I just don't know. And everything up to that point, I kind of get and have nostalgia for and fond memories of and everything afterwards. But that weird six-month spell, I, I, I don't have. I don't have in my memory bank. There you go. We get on to the, the old modern wrestling then, will we? Hey, if we must, I guess, yeah. Um, uh, let me see here. Lots of stuff going on. AEW kicks ass again, everybody. It's Hell yeah. Good, wasn't it? 
Uh, last two weeks have been great. This week's was so good. So, so good. Uh, the two big matches to talk about, I think, this week. Excellent tag title match with uh, Hangman Page and Kenny Omega defending against the Lucha Bros. All kinds of action, all kinds of craziness. Proper pay-per-view quality tag wrestling uh, on television. Um, and that set up those two defending against the Young Bucks at the pay-per-view. And then we got the culmination of the big uh, uh, Cody MJF uh, stipulation thing where Cody bested Wardlow in a tremendous cage match. I mean, like you had to know Cody was going to he he had some ideas about what he wants a cage match to be in his promotion. And he went out there and he did it, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. That was great. We got the blood pretty much straight away. We got the blood. We got the commentators going. Yeah, of course. There's no fucking escaping from this cage because this is a regular promotion for adults. You want that dumb baby shit where they try to go out the door, whatever the fuck that is. You can watch that Saturday morning slam, you pussies. Um, yeah, and like I just, you got the blood. Cody was just selling and selling and selling. The cage looked cool. It was such a cool looking cage. Um, it was perfect, and of course he. Kurt angled himself at the end of his good. Um, good show by Wardlow. I, yeah. I I thought he was really solid. So used to seeing these big guys in WWE who, who get pushed into early and they're just complete stiffs. Who yeah, can, can't do anything. But he was actually yeah decent. Held up, held up his end. Yeah. Um. So so and like and the the final image of the show. I'm really curious what they're going to do on this week's Dynamite because I feel like this would have been a great go home show because you had MJF mm. running scared and Cody on top of the cage. Um, I think MJF uh, needs to get a bit of heat going into the pay per view though because he's been getting a bit of a beating. He got a good kicking off on. That's true. Yeah, he was he, he was sent back in like twice during this match. So um, maybe he'll run the dog over or something. Oh my god! <laughs> imagine imagine the heat. Oh, it would uh, probably be be worth it. But um, yeah, yeah, I'm curious what that is. So yeah, dynamite this week then is uh, um, uh, the Mox Jericho Wade. And uh, I'm not sure if they've anything else. But yeah, the pay-per-view. Uh, full steam ahead for the pay-per-view. The Jericho Mox build has been great as well. Yeah. Um, uh, good, very very attitude error, but in a good way. Um, yeah. And the return of Darby Allen as well. That was oh, how great was that? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're really firing at all cylinders. Um, so the pay-per-view is uh, Mox, Jericho, Bucks versus Hangman and Kenny, Dustin Rhodes versus Jake Hager, Sammy Guevara versus Darby Allen, and Cody versus MJF. I mean, that sounds cracking to me. Uh, no uh, no women's match yet. Uh, I would think they might just do a, a Riho rematch, but I don't know. Uh, you know that that women's division continues to need work, but uh, I I did enjoy I did enjoy Nyla winning the title there two weeks ago. Uh, that was a, a very good TV match. So yeah, AEW uh, uh, doing very well. See those uh, see those figures they're releasing. They're great. They look fantastic. Mm-hmm. They really do. Uh, some some quality toys there for the toy nerds. So uh, so yeah, look look out for those soon. I hope they get a nice deal over here and we can get them in Tesco instead of. Fortnite toys, um, 
yeah, so that's AEW. We'll have uh, next week. Uh, we'll probably, yeah, we'll have a review. I'd say we'll squeeze in a review next week uh, of that show. That's this. That's yes, this coming Saturday. Uh, this week we also have the Saudi Arabia show, the latest Saudi show from WWE with Brock Lesnar versus Ricochet, which might be all right, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on what kind of match it is and how seriously they treat uh, Ricochet and Goldberg versus The Fiend uh, which I am curious to see I don't know it seems like the the way they are going currently that they should probably just have The Fiend win and that's just you know the, the latest scalp for him but I don't know, as someone who doesn't watch WWE Weekly, I'd happily just have Goldberg win and have him face um, Roman. But, uh, you know. Yeah, couldn't care less. Couldn't care less either way, I guess, yeah. And the rest of the card, whatever. Yeah, okay. whatever. Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy versus <laughs> the Street Profits. Okay, Jesus, cool. Jesus Christ. Imagine, imagine. Oh, uh, God. Uh, so that's coming up on like Thursday, I think it is. Uh, have any? Have you lads watched any of the Ruthless Aggression documentary? Yes, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't. Should I? Uh, yeah, I watched one episode. It's all right. Uh, how much have you watched, Joe? I saw, I saw both of the first two episodes. Okay, um, it's good. It's it's you know got the annoying things of WWE documentaries where they completely <laughs> fabricate the reasons for everything. Which gets a bit annoying because I would really love to just watch like a proper documentary on, on that era uh, and who's coming through. But yeah, it was it's entertaining enough. No, I will watch the rest of them. Yeah, the uh, the the first I only watched the first episode, but yeah, like every second scene, they're kind of hitting you over the head with some stupid bullshit that you know is not true, and you kind of roll your eyes at it. But the other stuff is interesting. Like um, you know, they they kind of admitted that like uh, some of the the creative coming out of the attitude area was you know the shits basically uh, now but the flip side is that they're like oh and then we came up with the brand split and so we we were firing at all cylinders and next thing you know we got this talent yeah. it's like well you're saying that but then you're showing footage of earlier you're showing footage of all oh, the creative wasn't great and it's like stacy mm. keebler saying oh I, I love my testicles i'm like that is the era you're saying you also picked things up and did a brand split and and you know so so they they they're they're mixing things up a little bit for the sake of a narrative on the podcast or on, on the documentary rather. Well, Raw, uh, Raw in two thousand and two in particular was the shit. Well, one thing I'm curious about, but um, this is a, a question I, I, I've heard asked quite a lot. Maybe they haven't revealed what the full season, what what each episode will be. But I'm curious if they're going to give any mention at all to. SmackDown Six and Heyman's Heyman's leading of SmackDown in that period, and I think they probably won't because that would probably mean admitting that Raw was just the pits at the time when Triple H was running roughshod on it and Vince was in charge and and giving too much credit to Heyman, which I don't I don't think they like to do. Um, yeah, I mean, so they, yeah, they could cover it in a kayfabe way, you know. 
Yeah, I, they could. I, I, it's it, it. You just you have to think. You know, everything has to be thought of as how are they going to put it through? Yeah, their or not WWE. even a kayfabe way, but uh, like these six superstars stood up and took well, five superstars. We can't mention Chris Benoit. They stood up and took charge. You know, I felt um, I felt pretty sympathetic to the young WCW wrestlers um, in the first episode because obviously. The big, I think, the big controversial talking point from that first episode was WWE rewriting history on their name change, which is a, a well-discussed topic. But also, the way they framed why the invasion didn't work was so unfair to the the young wrestlers from WCW. They they acknowledged that Hogan and all those people were unavailable, which is fair enough, and they were they were on big contracts that the company wasn't going to buy out. Fair enough. And they said, you know, we got these young green wrestlers who the crowd did not identify in any way, either as stars or as WCW wrestlers. That's also fair enough. But it just kind of seemed like they were laying it at their feet that the reason it didn't work is because they sucked and 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 they they weren't good enough to hang with our guys, which is obviously what they thought at the time. That's what WWE actually thinks, but they didn't, you know, they they accepted defeat on some topics about how WWE was to blame, but what they never acknowledged was that we beat them like a drum and we fucking, we never gave them any shine and we constantly had our own guys defecting to carry the brand. Like, they didn't acknowledge all of that. It was just kind of like Sean O'Hare sucked and he couldn't hang with The Undertaker. <laughs> um, you know, that was, that was very much the... Um, uh, uh, the vibe. So you know that that was that was a bit unfortunate. And I felt bad for those guys because it was like they had their careers kind of cut short by their company going tits up, and then they're also blamed for like this big dud of an angle. Um, but yeah, it, it's interesting nonetheless. Even through all the bullshit, they of course they get back into the uh, Austin took his ball and went home uh, um, thing. Which uh, I don't think there was actually any new footage on that. I think that was all recycled confidential footage, yeah. uh, footage from Austin's various DVDs where he's talked about it after the fact. Um, you know, no, they didn't. They didn't sit Austin and Vince down or Brock down and talk to them fresh about it. Um, one thing on that subject, though, that I I thought was. Uh, kind of hilarious they acted dumbstruck by the fact the rock left in 2002 <laughs> they called it the unthinkable happening yeah ah no one no one foresaw the rock three years after he first did a television show like star trek like oh well we never thought he'd actually leave um, he did the mummy returns in 19 you no know, 2000 he did, yeah he, that was he did he did Mummy Returns in 2000. I think he'd already, he did Star Trek and that 70s show in like 99. Mm. And then he did The Scorpion King in 01, which was absolutely massive. And then they were like, wait, he's... What? You're a big star and you want to leave? What are you talking about, Dwayne? What? No, sit down. Where are you going? What? Yeah, just like every massive star in the history of the business who had an opportunity to leave and took it. Oh... Shocking. You're wrestling Triple H. That is the main event of judgment there. That that is Hollywood. <laughs> Hollywood yeah, I, three H's. Uh, I'll watch the uh, I'll watch episode two and three. I've heard good things about the evolution one. 
Um, I will check it yeah. out. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, it's an easy enough kind of background watch. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be, um, yeah, you know, don't, don't go into it expecting incredible accuracy. And one thing I, I tweeted about as I was watching it, the, the breadth of archival footage that this company has is stunning. There is when they're burying the poor WCW youngsters, they have footage I have never seen before of them training in a wwf ring in a warehouse somewhere i have no idea when or why or where this was filmed it's like it's like sean o'hare and like and like someone else and like i don't know and they're having trouble running the ropes and there's someone off camera heckling them which is a bit unpleasant um just ridiculous there must be cameras running 24 7 backstage at all these shows mm-hmm. um yeah, it's kind of interesting from that regard too. So uh, I give it an hour watch. We might talk about it there next week. We'll have it all catch up. There you go. So speaking of documentaries, uh, go on. There's one on FCW on the way. Now that's one that I'm interested in seeing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because I remember for a long time, you know pre-NXT, I suppose, or pretty proper NXT launching. Looking at the old FCW roster page was often a source of humor. Oh, yeah, we did that on this show a lot, didn't we? Yeah. And, uh, God, I, I remember the, the Biggie Langstons of the world being on that little page. And Oh, yeah. I'd be interested to see, because FCW is a little bit of a an unknown a little bit of a question mark i mean new day on their podcast have gone a little bit into it and their podcast is great by the way if people aren't listening to it very fun so i'm just interested to know you know before developmental was this big thing how how it worked and also john moxie talked a little bit about it on aw's podcast which is also was a good listen because um, they do a podcast now, AW. Um, and I like the Moxie podcast because it wasn't like an expose; it was more just a kind of retrospective, which was which was fun as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm interested to find out a little bit more about FCW and the inner workings there because it it seemed like developmental was much further away from uh, you know the minds of the the decision makers. It seemed like kind of a a thing where once a year someone will go down and go, by God, this guy's got muscles. Call him up! As opposed to it being kind of a, a network of, you know, scouting and, and so on. Yeah. In a weird way, it's kind of gone too far in the opposite direction now, where it's like, they they never get they never get called up. Um, But yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I, I'll, I'll watch that one out. Cute. And then finally, and finally, Joe, your boy, yes. your boy going to the Hall of Fame. Ah, oh, Nikki Bella, yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's no bull in this British bulldog. I'm going. To the I'm Hall bizarre because I'm bizarre. So happy to see him finally go in. Yeah, shame he's dead, but you know. Well, they can't be helped, Joe. Yeah, most of them are, so, well, you know. He was dead before they kind of started doing the Hall of Fame. He invented it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously deserved um, 
given the standard of people they put in. It's no brainer. Um, yeah. And the Bella twins. Are you surprised? Are you surprised they're not um, uh, tying it into some kind of UK event? Nah, I don't think. I mean, now they've got NXT UK, it feels like that's their kind of. They're not. They're not going to run sort of big shows here now. It's not like they can have a pay per view. We never talked about that. They're doing a takeover in Dublin, by the way. Yeah. Fuck it. <laughs> Oh, maybe we'll effing get to see Tyler Bate at that show, the little fucking... (laughs) (laughs) Well, Tyler Bate will never get a girl pregnant. I'll tell you that much. His pull-out game is strong. (laughs) I have no interest in that. I can't even be bothered firing up the watchwrestling.com to watch NXT UK. Um, (laughs) Let alone get a bus to Dublin. You can watch it, of course, on the uh, Paramount channel every Wednesday at 2 a.m. I'm weirdly interested to go to it because I've never been to a show that was, you know, live or televised. I mean, that that one Scrapper Mania, but that was kind of fucking half it didn't work. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it'd be fun just to go. I mean, I did go to, um, I did go to two UFC shows. Not quite the same. But uh, I'd be, uh, I don't know, I'd be kind of kind of interested to go, um, depending on you know ticket prices and all that. But it, it could be a laugh. They still uh, haven't announced any of that, which is weird. That's alright. That's sure. That's the Irish wrestling model. <laughs> that's it. No, the Irish wrestling model is to put them on sale four months in advance with no card. <laughs> yeah. And um, then at the last second, go, oh, John Moxley's gonna be there. Go, Grant, don't worry, lads, it'll be great. And then I buy me ticket like a little good Mark boy. Yeah. So that's it, folks. Yeah. Um, we're we're capping off ten years by celebrating the Bellas going into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Um, well deserved. Well deserved. Well done, Queens. Um, yeah. Great matches and all those great matches and memories, promos and, and segments and segments and huge uh, gates they drew huge so. gates uh, television shows that we all enjoy watching that are real and likable and 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 tolerable um uh yeah uh so anyway folks it's been 10 years 10 years of the chair shop podcast i think we've um uh, i think we've we've had some highs we've had some lows we've had some uh, laughs, we've had some tears, we've had some shows where we've all been here, and then way more where we haven't. We've had but, some shits. Um, we've had some shits, we've had some pukes, we've had some cummies. Um, <laughs> Wait a minute! Yuk. Did we? <laughs> not, not, on, not on air, but you know. Right. Uh, um, folks, here's to ten more. Long live the CSP, long live the Chair Shop Podcast, long live the three of us, well, you know, depending on how well these diets go. Um, <laughs> well, I'm doing alright. Paul's doing all right. I'm I'm circling the drain over here. Um, back back over and over the toilet again. Um, uh, so thank you very much for your support. Thank you if you've ever emailed, followed, shared, tweeted, uh, participated in any way, shape, or form. Most importantly, just listening though, we do greatly appreciate it. This show has been a spectacular, fun time to do. Uh, uh, for the last 10 years, which is why we've kept it up. Gents, it's been a pleasure talking to you for 10 plus years. We roll into the 11th now. And uh, 
guess what? We'll be back again next week to do it all effing again. Um, so for the last time in this decade of the show, it's goodbye from me, Barry Murphy. It's goodbye from Joe Towner. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from Paul Griffin. Goodbye. See you next week. <laughs>